Hi, this is Amy Impelizari, host of Tall Poppy Writers Presents I Know How This Book Ends, where we get to the story behind the story. Today, I am thrilled to be talking with someone who I feel like I've known for many years, but this is actually our first time meeting, Lindsay Cameron, who is the author of the newly released Just One Look. It's 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 coming out in July. By the time you hear this, it will be newly out. This is her debut suspense novel, but it's her second novel, and we're going to talk about her journey to writing. Lindsay, welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So, Lindsay, you and I have a couple of things in common, and that's why I think we found each other in the universe years ago. We are both lawyers turned writers. Lindsay is a former corporate litigator who has worked in firms in Vancouver and New York City and before transitioning to a writer. Where did you work in New York City? I worked at Schulte, Roth, and Zabel. Okay. So I at worked at 919 Third Avenue. Okay. Okay. Well, they took over the Scadden Arps office. They did. Because I worked at Scadden. I interviewed at the 919 office, but by the time I started at Scadden, they had moved to Times Square. So I worked in the Times Square office from 1999 to 2009. Were we there at the same time? Uh, Yes, actually. I wonder if we've been in the same office at the same time because I left in 2008. Okay, that's very funny. So we definitely yeah. our, our paths definitely crossed in yeah. that world. And then you tell me about your transition because then you left the law and you wrote a book called Big Law and I remember when I got my hands on that book thinking oh, here is a woman who is a kindred (laughs) spirit (laughs) who knows a thing or two about life behind that curtain of big law. And I am pretty sure I reached out to you immediately upon, you know, finishing that novel. And, but tell me about the, tell me about the journey to writing and then writing that book specifically, because that took some guts. That took some guts. And I want to talk about that. So tell me what makes you decide, I'm going to leave big law and I'm going to write about it instead. Well, writing is something that I've always enjoyed growing up, but it wasn't something that I thought I could make a career path out of. Right. And so, so like most type A people who enjoy writing, <laughs> I went to law school and yes. um worked at firms in Vancouver, New York. And I enjoyed that work, but I knew it was something that I didn't want to do long-term. You know, the hours and the grind. I just, it wasn't for me long-term. Yes. And when I was there, I got the idea for my first novel, Big Law. Um, But I was afraid to give up the security of the job to like make the leap to be full-time writer. So I tried... Because we lawyers are risk averse by nature <laughs> and, and by career like, choice. Yes. <laughs> I am so risk adverse. Right. I mean, that's what draws us to that profession. Uh, yes, so I tried, yes. to, I tried to do it in my spare time. But I mean, as you know, there really mm-hmm. is no spare time when you're working yeah. in big law. Right. And so when I was newly pregnant with my first child, I thought if I don't make the leap and leave this behind and try my hand at writing now, it's just never going to happen. And yeah. so um, I made the leap and started writing Big Law and it was a long road, but it eventually it eventually became a book. So you started writing in your first maternity leave? Yes. Well, Essentially. It, 
Yes. It, it, it wasn't maternity leave because I did resign. <laughs> right, <laughs> like right, I, right. Uh, it, was, it was my forever maternity leave. Well, the um, ironic thing is, I don't think there was such a thing as maternity leave. <laughs> no, well, in Bethlehem. <laughs> so, that so, was one of the reasons, like, you know, the, you've worked in it. There's so yes. many reasons where I thought this just isn't for me. Yeah. I joke because I took three maternity leaves while I worked at Skadden and I had to sort of hide them every single time I had to, I had to hide that I was having kids. I had to hide that I was going on maternity leave pretty much only one, uh, part, you know, supervising partner knew that I was having kids. The rest of them were thought I was, I don't know what, but, (laughs) but eventually I, I took the same, path you took, which was to, to transition to writing. But I have to tell you, I did not have the courage to write about the, you know, peeking behind the veil of law for a while. I really didn't take that on for a little while. And so I love that you did that right out of the gate. And tell me about your, did you have any fears? Did you have any reservations about former colleagues? picking up the book because it was a very realistic view of what it is to be inside big law. You know, when I was writing the book, you know, they, I think they say something like, write like nobody's going to read it. Right. Um, and, and that was how I wrote that book. I had no experience with publishing. I had um, no formal training for writing. So I wasn't sure the book was going to see the light of day. And so I just wrote not thinking about those things. And then when it was going to get published, then the fear set in. Yeah. And actually in a very late draft, kind of right before it went to production, I went in and changed all the, what I thought were very identifying details with certain characters. Cause I yes. thought, Oh my gosh, people are going to know who each yes. of these people are. And so, you know, I was kind of in a manic fit at like midnight changing all these identifying details. So I definitely had the fear of who was going to recognize who. But the ironic thing is they probably would not have recognized themselves. (laughs) You hit the nail on the head because the people who did contact me about the book they all thought that they were the handsome associate that the yes. main character has a crush on. Yes, of course. I, <laughs> I have gone through this. them were that person. Correct. I have gone through this same thing because in my debut novel, I uh, Lemongrass Hope, I did not write about, I didn't really peek behind the, the curtain of the law firm, but I did have a couple of uh, disgruntled lawyers and a couple of people who were referenced. And same thing, I got contacted by former colleagues, everybody thought they were the love interest, A, and B, <laughs> yeah. the, the, you know, the villain never realized, uh, you know, that he was the villain. So I just found find it very interesting. I mean, that's the, why they're the villain, right? A lack of self awareness. <laughs> completely no self awareness. They'll just go along happily not knowing. Yes. So, you know, it's actually, it works out well and it does allow you to be sort of honest in your fiction. I always say that I write fiction. I mean, I have written nonfiction and I want to talk to you about that because, but I prefer writing fiction because I feel I can be more honest in fiction than in nonfiction. I do feel like you can, you sort of have to filter yourself a little bit, right? When you're taking on some truth telling. 
So oh, I agree with that. I, I people would say, "Is is Big Law a memoir?" And I'm like, "No, it's fiction." <laughs> right, right. Only fiction. The only way, and you probably wrote a much more honest account of it than had you taken on Big Law as a memoir. Well, that's true. So that's I. My first nov, my first, I'm sorry, my first book, my first book contract was actually a nonfiction bo- book called Lawyer Interrupted. It was contracted by the American Bar Association's publishing arm. And I think that is also part, partly why our paths crossed because Big Law was published by an imprint of the American Bar Association. And I thought that was fascinating. I always thought it was fascinating that they were willing to take on a book about leaving the law and my you know, on my part, and that they were willing to take on such an honest um, expose, although I know they always marketed it as sort of a, you know, very funny, you know, look at, at big law, but I thought it's, it's actually really spot on. And so (laughs) I thought that was really clever and amazing that you were able to get the ABA's imprint to publish the book. Tell me about that journey. Well, I was very surprised by that too, because yeah. my agent had said, um, my, my agent had actually placed another book there. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on the name now, but uh, another fiction book that had to do with the Supreme Court judge. Um, and when she said she was going to send it there, I thought, well, there's no way they're going to want to publish it because it's not, it's not a flattering account of law firms. Um but the editor who she sent it to uh, really just fell in love with it and said that it was funny. And I mean, maybe didn't realize how unflattering it was, but. Right, right. Again, <laughs> again, lack of self-awareness. It's wonderful. Yes. <laughs> but it was, it was, that was my gain, right? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and of course, Big Law w- was a big book. I mean, it hit it hit the ground running and it was on so many best of lists that year. It was on uh, a Harper's, Harper's Bazaar magazine list and 20 best books by women in 2015 by Good Housekeeping. It was BuzzFeed, San Francisco Book Review. She knows it was all over the place. I remember, you know, I, I remember that I couldn't wait to read what was coming next after I got a hold of that book. It was everywhere. A lot of people compared it to Devil Wears Prada set in uh, law firm world. And I thought that was a really um, wonderful look. And I've been following you online for a long time, excitedly awaiting your next book. And now the wait is over because Just One Look is coming out this summer. And of course it's being billed as your suspense debut, but it's your second novel. And it has been compared and deservedly so to books like you and girl on the train. It is really fresh and exciting. And tell us a little bit about how this book came to be. So now you have a little perspective you're out of, cause it also is set against the backdrop of big law. Um, and, a and a sort of interesting, um, an interesting look at what can go, what can happen when temp attorneys get access to <laughs> electronic files, right. Of the, of the law firm. And tell me a little bit about how this book comes to, comes to be now a couple of years away from your own law career and you're sort of del- delving back into it. Tell me about that. Well, I actually came up with the idea for this book it was actually the seed for the idea was planted even before big law. I just didn't quite Uh know how to run with it then. 
That makes sense. Um, yes. And so I had that seed in my mind, um, you know, just kind of percolating, but I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with it. And when I was working on Big Law, um, which was women's fiction, my agent at the time had said, I want to fix the pacing. I want to make it more in line with the pacing of a thriller. And I hadn't really read thrillers at the time. And so I went and I bought a bunch of thrillers so that I knew <laughs> what she was talking about. Right. Um, and once I started to read them, I really fell in love with the genre. I yeah. loved the, the pacing and the tension and the feeling that you couldn't put it down. And so I did think my next book, I'm going to try something in the thriller genre. And I had I had stops and starts with other ideas that just, you know, I'd get a quarter of the way into it and I would lose the story. Um, And then my husband actually said, well, what about that idea you had way at the very beginning with when the temps were reviewing the emails? And so I sat down and started writing what now is just one look. And did you have to have an 11th hour delete identifying information for this book as well. I, I, I did not with this, but, you know, this one. People are composites in this one. Yes. Um, so I don't, there's not going to be anybody who's like, I'm that person. So I didn't have that. I've got to go in and delete everything. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the thing that's so one of the things that's so amazing about this book is just how gray it is and how there's just such a blurred line between right and wrong, what you think you know, what you do know. It's it's very, I mean, it's very clever. And it's interesting what you say that you had to sort of learn and educate yourself about the genre and the pacing, which do you think that your background as a lawyer sort of helped you on that journey? I mean, a little bit, it does help. It gave me the ideas for both books, but um, it also, you do a lot of writing as a lawyer, um, but you do a lot of wordy writing, you know, you have to like one, one paragraph in a contract, you have to restate the whole thing. Um, So it, it did help with writing, but not the same type of writing. You're, you're not as... Well, that's um, what's so interesting, too, because I after I published Lawyer Interrupted, I would do a lot of bar conferences and CLE conferences and, and talking about the versatility of the law degree. But inevitably, people would always say, oh, you have to include something about a writing, writing a book because every lawyer here wants to write a book, right? We, well, lawyers th- Every lawyer thinks they have a book in them. But... It does not, even though we are professional writers when we're practicing law, it does not translate easily into writing fiction, right? Unless you really research and prepare and do what you did, which was really learn about the craft and learn about the genre. So, but I do think lawyers are wonderful researchers. And I do think that if you are committed to understanding that you do have to translate you know, writing in your client's voice to writing in a new voice, and you have to really understand that it's two different things, um, then it can be a successful transition, but it doesn't automatically carry over. Do you agree with that? I agree. It's definitely not automatic. It was, I really had to sort of 
change that entire muscle. You know, the muscle before was to say the same thing 10 different ways so that there was no ambiguity in what I was saying. Yeah. So, you know, with fiction, there is interesting things in the ambiguity. You don't want to keep hammering home one point, you know, you want to leave it um, up to the reader to figure out what's going to happen. And that's a different type of muscle. And yes, um, yes. I really had to study how fiction writers did that and, and reteach myself um, a different way. Yes. Well, you've obviously succeeded. This book is um, already getting really amazing, well-deserved buzz. We always talk here because it's, I know how this book ends. We always talk spoiler free about how the book ends because I'm always fascinated to hear from the author's perspective, whether the ending of the book, especially in a book like this, where it's a thriller and there is, uh, there are some surprises, but even right down to the epilogue, which I think is a really fabulous epilogue and a really fabulous way to end the book. Was that always the way this book was going to end? No. Uh Okay. (laughs) I had a different ending um, to the book when it went out on submission to publishers. Yeah. And uh, before Ballantyne gave an offer, I had a a call with my now editor. And I think she was just trying to feel out if if it was okay, if if she tinkered with the ending, which which it was fine. And once we had, once we were working together, we kind of brainstormed the current ending. Um, and I like it so much more than the original ending. And I actually had two different epilogues that the editor chose the one that's in the book now. So that actually, the epilogue didn't change that much, but the right. ending of the book, the ending of the book is quite different. Yeah. See, I love that. And I think people don't always understand that they think that you're you the book comes out of your brain fully formed right and then this is then and then it's you know not malleable but it is and that's that is the process that is the editorial process right and it it can be a if it's done well it's a collaborative process and hopefully makes the book the best it can be so I think that's really amazing to hear that you were able to you were able to collaborate and, and really create what what is now just one look well, thank you. Are you tell? Can you tell me anything more about what is going to come next? I know this book is just barely coming out, but are you thinking about what's going to come next? Are you thinking about staying in this genre? I am. I'm working on another suspense novel now, and um, I don't give too many details because yeah. I'm so superstitious about uh, books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I totally understand. But it, but it is in the suspense genre, um, and it's um there is a lawyer in it although that it's not it's not as centered around lawyers and so that career may change but okay that's interesting so you're open to moving away from the law firm setting yeah this one actually is not in the law firm setting at all it's just that that is this one character's career yeah and I was thinking I just can't seem to get away from writing about lawyers isn't that funny? Do you, you're, you are not practicing any longer. Is that right? No, no. I haven't been practicing since I left. And do people ask you, do you miss it? Is there anything you miss about practicing the law? Um, you know, in the beginning, I really missed like the camaraderie of, you know, the large firm setting and a lot of the people, but I'm, I'm 12 years out of it now. And so now it just seems like a different world to me. 
I let me ask you a question. At my first, my first book event, someone raised their hand and asked me a question that honestly stumped me for a long time. And it was, are you a writer who used to practice law or are you a lawyer who now writes books? And if I ask you that question, do you have an answer for that? Well, I think that's evolved for me. Yes, for me as well. I remember probably for the first five years after leaving law, when I would be, you know, at a party and people would inevitably say, what do you do? Yes. I'd say, well, I used to be a lawyer, but yes. now I'm a writer. And I always started with the lawyer. Yeah. Um, and it took a long time for me to just say, I'm a writer. And I don't even bring up sort of the previous career. I'm not hiding it, but I just say what it is that I do now. Yeah. And so um, that's an interesting question that that person asked you. Really requires you to look inside, but mine has, my answer to that has really changed. And the first time I said, I'm a writer and didn't say anything else, I was like, oh, I can actually say that. It felt, I I bet that felt really empowering. It did. Yeah, I think that's amazing. Lindsay, thank you so much. I'm so grateful that you took time out of your busy launch month to talk to us. We are really excited to promote this book, Just One Look. Um, can't wait to see what's coming next for you. Can't wait to keep in touch with you too. Well, thank you so much. This was really fun. Thanks it for having really me. It was really fun. Thank you. I always say just because it's fiction doesn't mean it's not true. And I think uh, your writing is really a great illustration of that. So thank you so much for sharing it with us. Thank you. Thank you.